Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. <sighs> Today's reading from Luke is what scholars call one of the hard sayings of Jesus. And hard it certainly is. This is one of those days when I actually hope there are not newcomers at church. <laughs> those poor innocent people who've walked through the doors to give their faith one last chance after being away for years, and then one listen to this gospel text and they're out the door for good. <laughs> and if these words make some of you regulars squirm too, you are not alone. You know, as the rector of a parish, I take great care in trying to avoid the message that's pretty inescapable in this passage, that you must make sacrifices and basically lose your life in order to truly follow Jesus Christ. I avoid that because, you see, one of my jobs is to grow the parish in numbers and in attendance, and this is really bad marketing. Who's going to want to come to a church where they're told to stop being so selfish, to give up all that's dear to them and help others, and all for the love of God? These are not good selling points, certainly not in this day and age. We Episcopal clergy prefer the soft pedal approach, one that says, you know, of course you should keep your possessions and love your family members and your life. Of course you should take your vacations and buy your nice cars and own your nice homes and everything in them. All Jesus is really trying to say here in so many words is, just be a good person. <laughs> Except that, honestly, that's not what he's saying here at all. In fact, he could not be clearer about the cost of discipleship in today's reading. Emily Towns, professor of religion at Yale Divinity School, notes that the term cost appears only once in the entire New Testament, right here. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Emily Towns defines cost as what we give up to acquire, accomplish, maintain, or produce something. And it involves a measure of sacrifice. So what Jesus is really saying is, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, you might want to sit down first and think about what you're getting yourself into before deciding to take up your cross and follow me. Unlike us squirmy Episcopal clergy, Jesus was never known for his soft pedal approach. But let me say a few things about the language Jesus uses, which might help to lessen the sting of his words a little bit. Biblical speech sometimes uses hyperbole or exaggeration or extreme language to drive a point home. So none of his listeners would take Jesus literally when he says such things as, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. They understand that it's metaphor, but it makes the point, and the image stays with you. 
Here, too, Jesus uses sharper language to convey the seriousness of his message. Rather than saying, you must lose your love of things, your desire for the joys of this earthly life must drop away before you can follow me, Jesus says instead, hate your mother and father and leave everything if you would be my disciple. You've got to admit, it's got a little more punch to it. (laughs) But it is hard to hear. I should also mention that Jesus is speaking within a Semitic idiom, a way of saying things in which love and hate are not emotion-laden words, but instead have to do with choices and priorities. So hate, hate your mother, hate your father, can simply mean to love less. Jesus would never advise actual hatred against anyone, but he insists that we must love our life less than we love God to be his disciples. It's not that we should hate our families. Rather, we are called to prioritize Christ above all family ties, possessions, and other obligations if we are to take on the mantle of discipleship. And yes, that might mean loosening our bonds of kinship and love in this world, which feels counterintuitive. But Jesus wants us to see that our true calling lies even deeper than the bonds of communal and familial relations. It's a hard message. When I read today's gospel passage, I understand something about myself, and maybe this is true for some of you too. I realize that I like to be in control of my faith. So while I can easily embrace the Beatitudes, for instance, with their message of hope for the oppressed, I keep today's reading at arm's length, putting distance between its kind of accusatory tone And myself. And while I love Luke's parables of the Good Samaritan and the prodigal son because they exemplify radical acceptance and extravagant love, I can't say that I always practice such acceptance and love in my own life. As Christians, we tend to want Jesus' message to work for us and not the other way around. And today's gospel reading is all about the other way around, how we have to conform ourselves to the message. Many of us ignore these words. We avoid that invitation and challenge. It's, it's just too hard to embrace. Instead, we busy ourselves looking to our earthly needs and comforts, tapping on our iPhones, hoping to evade the responsibility of total commitment to Christ by simply trying to be a good person on our own terms. But as Christians, we are called to transformation. Jesus summons us to the kind of change that comes from surrender of earthly self and commitment to God. That transformation probably looks different for each of us, but I believe that the life we surrender is ultimately renewed. And that's a form of salvation, a life renewed. In my spiritual life, I I try to surrender to transformation the only way I know how through prayer, and through service. I ask Jesus to help me become the person he needs me to be in order to manifest his will in the world. Now, it's taken years, but I actually think it's slowly working. I'm a little less selfish with my time than I used to be and a little less resentful about helping others with their needs. Maybe it won't last, but while it does, I'm grateful. C.S. Lewis, as usual, said it best. 
The terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions to Christ. But it is far easier than what we are all trying to do instead. For what we are trying to do is to remain what we call ourselves, to keep personal happiness as our great aim in life, and yet at the same time, be good. We are all trying to let our mind and heart go their own way, centered on money or pleasure or ambition, and hoping in spite of this to behave honestly and chastely and humbly. And that is exactly what Christ warned us you could not do. That's C.S. Lewis. Today's gospel is hard to hear. Whoever comes to me and does not hate even life itself cannot be my disciple. It is tempting to look away from these words and to slip into the comfortable assumption that Christianity does not require transformation or commitment on our part. Of course, God's unconditional love and acceptance is also written in these scriptures, and we trust that God's mercy will never forsake us. But today's reading prods us to also remember the cost of discipleship. That's the end of the sermon, but I need to add a coda. Just do your best. None of us can really give up all our possessions. Few of us can take up our cross. My prayer for you is that you let your conscience be pricked every once in a while. That you let your heart be stirred on occasion to more compassion. And that you allow the challenge Jesus sets forth this morning to change your mind here and there until one day you are surprised by transformation. Amen. Amen.